Hello, I'm Jason Solomons and welcome to another episode of Seen Any Good Films Lately. On this show, we'll find out what filmmakers and actors are watching and recommending and we'll delve into the worlds of Terry Gilliam, Sherlock Holmes and George Siegel. I would love to go to Powell and Pressburger's Matter of Life and Death. The take of that falling over Buster Keaton. I think there's a kind of joy to the practical quality of of filmmaking. Why don't you just slip over and I'll slide under? You heard actor Henry Lloyd Hughes, who's about to appear as Sherlock Holmes in the Netflix series The Irregulars. You also heard Lou Pepe, who's one half of the doc-making team, Keith Fulton and Louis Pepe, who've chronicled the extraordinary story of Terry Gilliam's struggles to get his Don Quixote film made. And you also heard a little bit of the late George Siegel, who's the subject of Jason's Three to See today. Before we hear from Henry, Keith and Lou and find out about their current work and dive into what's good right now and the films that have been important to all of them, let me tell you if I've seen any good films lately. Well, there's one out right now on streaming with huge stars, Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan. Both of them are usually very good in everything. And the film is called Ammonite. And with such a heavyweight cast, you might expect it to be challenging for awards this year. The fact that it isn't tells you something, but not everything. Ammonite is moving and raw. And that's just Kate Winslet's hands, for this is a wild, windy exploration of the untamed female heart. It's based on the real life of Victorian fossil hunter Mary Anning, who roamed the Jurassic coast around Lyme Regis, where she sold her fossils in a rough shop and to the British Museum, where her discoveries were credited to others, to men, let's be honest. Still, Mary Anning's renown brings the Murchisons to Lyme Regis and into her life. Pompous paleontologist's husband, Roderick, played by James McArdle, seeking a pastime for his pretty young wife, Charlotte. My wife, Charlotte, she hasn't been at all well of late. She suffers... It's mild melancholia, perhaps. What a wonderful opportunity it would be for her to... Walk out with you. Walk out? Yes. Walk the shoreline with you. Learn from you. I'm not looking for an apprentice. No, of course not. I am in no position to spend my days caring for an invalid. No. And it wouldn't require you to. You showed me such courtesy yesterday, sharing your knowledge, and I was hoping that you might be able to afford my wife the same generosity. Your help. Give her an interest, as it were. Careful what you wish for, Roderick. What you'll remember about Ammonite is some explosive sex scenes between Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan, shot in very naturalistic close-up. This is a very unadorned British costume drama, painting a very harsh picture of coastal life and female loneliness. Ironically, though, it's Michael O'Connor's costumes that have earned the sole BAFTA nominations for the film. Frankly, the film could have done... With a little bit more warmth and romance? Like the fossils, it's down to the bare bones. But it doesn't want to endear itself to anyone. 
It's a slog to watch at times, almost punishing, self-flagellating. And I think that's the idea of the director Francis Lee, but I think it's got the better of him. He's only a second-time filmmaker, made God's Own Country to start with, uh, which also had a lot of sort of wind and dry stone walling. Something about rocks and wind really appeals to Francis. But what he does here is shine a harsh light on Winslet's almost feral performance. It's a very good performance. It's one of her more eye-catching and notable performances of recent years. But she's very much chafed by the stones and by the salty wind and buffeted by love and the stark reality of life for 19th century working women. Now, back in 2002, I hosted some Q&As in London with filmmakers Keith Fulton and Lou Pepe for their movie Lost in La Mancha. You might remember it. It's one of the great making of docs starring Johnny Depp, mainly because it wasn't really a making of. It was more a not making of. It was a chronicle of one of the great movie failures, that of Terry Gilliam and his seemingly accursed project to make a Don Quixote movie. 20 years on, Keith and Lou are back with another making of. This time it's called He Dreams of Giants and it's about Terry's ultimately final and thankfully fruitful attempt to make The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, which did come out in 2019 and I think it's a really fine film with a brilliant performance from Jonathan Price and starring Adam Driver, who were both Oscar nominated that year, though not for this film, however. But anyway, you take it when you can get it. I was struck by how reflective and ruminative and pensive this documentary was, about the ups and downs of a creative life, about the folly of filmmaking, and the sheer hard work and the toll it can take on a man like Terry, who was approaching his 80th birthday. Could he get his dream out of his head and onto the screen? Or would The Man Who Killed Don Quixote be the film that killed Terry Gilliam? It's been such a long obsession. (laughs) Everything's in place, everybody's happy. It's a great reunion of slightly older people. And action! This is good. This is excellent. Okay, stop. We're doing everything completely wrong. Fuck this. We are ourselves right now. This is the furthest you have ever been. And there's no stopping us now. Even by Zoom, it was great to catch up after all this time with Keith and Lou, who were in LA. And before we got to talk about some of their favourite films, past and present, I asked them how they felt about going back over old territory. One of the things you do as a documentary filmmaker is you you kind of ask a list of questions. What am I curious about? What is the question driving me? And I found myself saying, I'm I'm really curious how he feels about what he's doing. How does he feel about coming close to the end of a journey? You know, Keith and I making this film, we're 50 as opposed to being 30 some year old filmmakers. So the questions we had about what does it mean to be a filmmaker? What does it mean to be an artist? Why do we create? It's a slightly different set of questions. And I think that's just reflected in where we found ourselves looking. So it's as personal for you as it is for Terry in some ways. Is that right, Keith? Well, I mean, we were also, similarly with Terry, we were coming back to something, coming back to the same material after almost 20 years. And we changed a lot in that period of time. We'd, for one thing, we'd stopped making documentaries on movie sets. And Lou and I you know, were a bit dragged kicking and screaming to this one because we said, we're never going to make another movie on a movie set. It's the worst place to make a documentary. So part of it was our following our own interests. We weren't interested in the nuts and bolts of the filmmaking process this time around. We were interested in what was going 
going on inside Terry Gilliam's head because the second we got to Madrid, you could see there was a whole hell of a lot going on inside there. This is why the, the making of this film, He Dreams of Giants, was a bit like holding up a mirror to ourselves, you know, because as I said, there was a 20-year gap between Los La Mancha and this one, and we're considerably older, and, you know, our interests have shifted quite a bit. I think we probably are feeling more of a kinship to Don Quixote in the sense, you know, Lou reread the book uh, before we made this latest uh, film and read it with a, a very different perception. Lou, you, you can talk about that better than I can because I think it's interesting. Well, I mean, you, this difference, you know, the 30-year-old version of Don Quixote is it's the dreamer going up against the harsh reality, fighting for the fantastic vision. And that was the young filmmaker's perspective. The 50-year-old reading Don Quixote says, oh my God, this is a story about a man who knows he's going to die soon and he wants to know what he's leaving behind through which people will remember him. And you feel that and then you watch Terry going through it. Part of you wants to say like, hey, old man, and just enjoy it because this could be it. But the other thing is our relationship with him. We're always the kids around him, you know, that we go back to what our relationship was when we first met him. The same way I think most people feel like children when they're around their parents. I yeah. think you will always feel like the apprentice around the master, even if occasionally you want to kick the master in the ass and tell him, like, what are you doing? Were you worried he was going to die halfway through? He certainly thought he was going to die. You know, um, he woke up in the middle of the night and, you know, there's this blood coming out of his catheter bag and he's you know thinking all right this is it and to him he's felt like that but it was probably a just conclusion <laughs> um, but he's uh he's ironic in that sense yeah oh, what about you guys what have you been uh, watching you seen any good films lately keith Oh, what have I seen? I really enjoyed uh, Thomas Vinterberg's new film. Just watched that a couple nights ago. Another round. Yes. Um, not not because I'm a man who likes his drink, but, you know, it, just, <laughs> it felt like somehow I was forgiven some of my habits. I, I haven't seen a Thomas Vinterberg film since the celebration, I don't think, that mm. was as good as this one. So I was excited to see it. Yeah, I and, agree. Um, Mads Mikkelsen's amazing. Isn't it? he? He's fantastic in it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And amazing to see that film nominated, like it's a foreign language film and that, and it's nominated. He's nominated in Best Director. You know, it's no barrier anymore at all. This is this is what's yep. amazing to me that's come down. That's a great, a great, great shout. What about you, Lou? What you've been seeing? For me, it's uh, the documentary, The Truffle Hunters, mm. which seriously made me think about, wait, how am I going to grow old? And should I really just maybe buy myself a dog and uh, retire to one of those Italian towns where you can buy a house for a euro and grow your own tomatoes and disappear into the woods. I loved that film. For me, when I saw it, I was like, this is my film of, of awards season. I don't know if it's any coincidence that they're, they're a, a filmmaking duo in that, Michael and Greg. You know, I don't know if that, uh, you know, there seem to be a, a proliferation of these brothers of the head, these things. You, you, two, you, you, know, <laughs> you two are still together, which is amazing. Well, you're not together today, obviously, but uh, that, that, that. We are. That, We're in the same building. We're, I'm upstairs, upstairs and he's downstairs. Oh, you see, you couldn't tell. You couldn't see the joint. <laughs> <laughs> but that's great to see that you're still together i'm really yeah pleased pleased about that i'm going to take you right back though if you're coming on my show i've got to ask you what, what do you remember the first film you saw in the cinema you just gave me a sense memory kind of body panic because i think i, I just did remember but the the interesting thing is i didn't see the movie i only heard it i was in the back seat of my parents car at a drive-in theater cape cod massachusetts and the movie was whatever happened to baby jane and i only heard it in this kind of half sleep state once again sleeping during movies i wasn't supposed to be hearing it and i wasn't supposed to be seeing it but but it was bloody terrifying <laughs> i'm sure just just to, just to listen to it <laughs> so there's no surprise that you end up in a in a in, in a in a sort of you know 
partnership you know as a creative you know, i don't know which one he's, is betty which one is down Jones. in the basement yeah. he's down in the basement with the rats we got rats in the cellar blanche we got rats lou we got rats what what films were were an inspiration for for this pair i don't know if there's ever been anything like this la mancha and uh, and um uh, and he dreams of giants were there any inspirational templates that you could take from this one lou that you took into them, the, the making of, or, or, or maybe there was a different one that you had in mind. We did watch some of the Seven Up series, and I feel that 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 there's a spirit of that. You know, we made the Hamster Factor in 1995. We made Lost in La Mancha in 2000, 2001, and this one is not evenly spaced. But I feel there's a similar spirit of revisiting the scene of the crime with Mr. Gilliam. So. Yeah, great, great, great. Uh, temp- is, uh, the late Michael Lapted, sadly. This is something that Lou probably doesn't know. Lou, before you got to Madrid, well, we're, with Jeremy, my cameraman, and I were in uh, Madrid starting to make He Dreams of Giants. We watched Vendor's film Lightning Over Water because I was curious to see that film again in light of what we were doing with Terry. You, you know this film? with uh, It's about Nicholas Ray, you know? No, I don't know that one. No. you got to check this one out, hmm. Jason. I shouldn't. Um, I should. I feel this is the point of doing this show. I, I can't know everything. <laughs> I pretend I know everything. I just don't. <laughs> uh, vendors gathered a bunch, bunch of people on a on a ship. But it's, it's, it, the, the plot isn't very clear. Nicholas Ray is, is editing some film he's been making forever. Um, and it's, it's an experimental film. You get to see pieces of it in this film. And Nicholas Ray is kind of on his deathbed. I don't know if he was really on his deathbed if, or if it was kind of a a fictive frame that was created for this movie sort of a documentary sort of not it's an interesting film cool but it, it felt to me like an appropriate thing to look at before it was yeah joining perry on his adventure it certainly sounds like exactly the right thing i'm going to give you the power of time travel both of you which you seem to have anyway because you sort of you know followed terry gilliam in, in don quixote if you could go to any film set at any time and visit it uh, which one would you go to keith Fulton? I was thinking a lot about this. I, th- it, I think I would go to the set of Herzog's Heart of Glass. I uh, am extremely fond of that movie. It's one of the strangest movies I've ever seen, and I've seen it countless times. And I know many stories about the production of it and the cast being under hypnosis and Herzog sort of telling them their lines before, you know, while they were shooting. And it just seemed the strangest film set to be on, and I would, would have loved to be there. Sure. A- any Herzog shoot sounds like it would be quite an interesting Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I could see you in there. I could. You are going under. You are under now. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Lou? Living in Los Angeles, and Keith and I live in the older part of Los Angeles where the movie studios used to be, I was thinking, oh, you know, it would be so beautiful to be on the set of a Chaplin film or a Keaton film and watch stuff that was done for real you know like if you could see that house facade like the take of that falling over buster keaton i think there's a kind of joy to the practical quality of of filmmaking that i think like that would have been the exciting oh what a day that was where they went we've got it Mm -hmm. i I mean what a day it would have been when they didn't get it and (laughs) it fell on him or something i don't know the story but yes we've got that what a take oh amazing that would have been a fantastic thing to do guys it's been absolutely brilliant catching up with you i could spend all day quizzing you about stuff and catching up with you your house is looking fantastic Um, (laughs) 
congratulations. <laughs> and you you know, for all the age that we've put into it and the weariness of He Dreams of Giants, kind of angst I was feeling after it, the kind of didn't it set it settled on a funny place in me in my heart, you know? And I think that's it, that's a really powerful thing for a documentary to do. For all of that Agreed. and I'm glad you're you, you two are looking so 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 good still, you know. It's been a while since we've seen each other and it's been a real pleasure catching up. So let's get this pandemic over with and I'll come to LA or you come to London and we'll hang out. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Jason. It was a pleasure. <laughs> and He Dreams of Giants is out on streaming platforms now. A double helping of interviews on this Seen Any Good Films lately. So why not pour yourself a double shot of Strike? That's S-T-R-Y-Y-K. The distilled drink with all the spirit, none of the alcohol. A Strike not vodka and tonic with a wedge of lime is a treat. And we're delighted to have Strike with us here on Seen Any Good Films Lately, along for the celebrations of awards season. In fact, when you order your Strike at strike.com, that's S-T-R-Y-Y-K.com, just enter the code JASON40 to get 40% off for seen any good films lately listeners and you get your cocktails ready for BAFTA and Oscar night why don't you cheers strike I'm not sure what Sherlock Holmes would have drunk I think tobacco and opiates were more his thing weren't they but my next guest Henry Lloyd Hughes might know as he plays Sherlock in the new Netflix series The Irregulars in which an apocalyptic wave seems to have taken over late Victorian London it's brilliantly conjured up in a mix of accents and faces of all hues my business partner and I have been watching you from our apartment on Baker Street. Your sister has a gift. She can see things normal people cannot. That's the doctor's name. John. John Watson. He knows much more than what he's telling us. Some strange things have been happening recently. 221B Baker Street. Sherlock Holmes. Henry Lloyd Hughes is an actor who's been in Harry Potter, Anna Karenina, Killing Eve, where he was that evil tech giant. Uh, he played in Posh at the Royal Court on the stage. He's been in Indian Summers, Parade's End and The Inbetweeners on TV. So it was great to talk to him about his colourful career and, of course, his love of movies. And I began by asking him how on earth you take on a part as familiar and much embodied as Sherlock Holmes. Honestly, Jason, the number of times as an actor, right, you know, when you're a working actor like me, you don't spend, I don't spend my year, it's not pre-allocated. I have to go and sing for my supper and I go in and I, I pitch, right? And I pitch and I say, look, if you want me, this is how I would do it. That's what an actor's life is like, right? Yeah. So I go in and I'm there and I pitch this, this version and I say, look, if you want to go to the past, this is how you do it. He's, you know, David Bowie, Thin White Duke. He's sexy. He's wearing the silk, you know, slim trousers, blah, blah. And then if we go to the, you know, if he's messed his life up, then we've got to shave his head. So I, what I'm saying is I'm pitching. I'm, I'm basically walking in. I'm saying, what you see now, forget that. This is how we do it. And this weirdly, this show is one of the rare instances where the actual pitch is what you see. That never happens. That's most very of the time they say, Yeah, most of the time. Yeah, most says, of the time. <laughs> we're not interested. Yeah, thanks for your ideas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this director and this writer have been thinking about it for years, and we, we yeah. that's right. But no, that's very strong of you, and I think that's the right way of doing it, to be honest. Because you, you know, you have a vision of him, and you're going to play him, and I think it, you know, very arresting it is too. It looks looks mm. great on screen, and I love the, mm. I love the two. And I, did, yeah, you're right. The rock star, the rock star look really works. You mentioned Killing Eve. That was quite a part for you as well. The the tech guy wasn't it? Aaron P- Aaron Peel was that his name? Yeah, Aaron yeah. Peel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He scared yeah. me. He was a scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it's it's weird that um it's probably the part that i've played where i've 
genuinely uttered the fewest number of words. It, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a very sparse character. The astonishing thing was it like really connected with people. And I suddenly thought, firstly, me as Henry, have I been doing it wrong my entire life? And secondly, basically, it's my acting style. I should, I should basically, should I have been barking up the Sir Anthony Hopkins tree, which is just say very little, just be that precision that I've, I've maybe, maybe I've wasted all these years, you know, being, being. There's uh, a great, I don't know, you must have seen, there's a great uh, Michael Caine acting masterclass sort of take he did for the bbc a long time ago yeah. and he sort of says always yeah. put a pause in because they can't cut you that's why that's why he's got that delivery because they can't cut i think you. it's i think it's masterful like oliver reed did one have you ever seen the oliver reed no, i'd love to see that you must search it up i think it was on iplayer at some point and it's an, it's an old interview with uh somebody who's embedded with him and the presenter says okay so i'll, I'll practice and i'll read this this speech and he reads it and oliver reed who may have you know imbibed one or two things says is that how you're going to do it is, is that how you're going to do it no 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 I'm, I'm i'm not having that i'm not having that and he said and he he goes through a bit like michael kane all of the tricks and tips for basically screen acting in like you know 45 seconds he does three years at drama school and he's pissed and it's still brilliant <laughs> were you at drama school no, no. I uh, I found the idea of uh, leaving said institution and going out and um, desperately applying uh, for a chance to be in another institution, uh, a slightly unpleasant prospect. And in retrospect, I don't know if that was the right thing or not. I, I certainly got told that there was a there was a real old guard of casting director, Jason, um, the likes of which have kind of been phased out. But I, you know, I had a, quite a few dressing downs in the first couple of years of my career, especially, you know, when I left school, I was working in a, you know, I sold shoes and and um, then I sold suits and I was working in a department store and I would run out on lunch breaks you know to go do auditions and I remember I remember a casting director say you know I, I ran all the way across town sweating you know not even having had a sandwich and I got to her house and I sat down and she said well tell me why you're here and I said well you know I'm, I'm introducing myself I'm a young actor I'm called Henry Lloyd Hughes blah 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 and she said did you go to drama school and I said uh, no actually I didn't she said get out <gasps> oh my god I said why what do you mean she said how dare you be arrogant enough to think that you didn't need to go to drama school? You're wasting my time. Oh. And I was like, oh. I do feel like I know what I'm doing now, which is good. Um, yeah. Henry Lloyd Hughes, uh, have you seen any good films lately? What are you watching? I am a, a kind of uh, film tragic, I suppose. My ability to devote myself to going to the cinema has been thwarted, of course, like everyone's. And, and I have to say that is a big part of not to be too trad about it. Mm. You know, I'm lucky enough to live quite close to a cinema. So which is your, um, which is your local? The Hackney Picture House beautiful and that's stuff like that is just it's real tough it's really tough the last film there was a little break that the lies i saw uh les miserables you know the the the, the ladgley uh the, 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 the not the one yes. that you not the one you were in yourself exactly but i saw the film version and it i honestly it, it blew me away isn't it fantastic I, just been bafta nominated actually for best foreign film which i'm delighted to see i did I not was, know that i thought it was fantastic and do you know what's weird is the the second most recent film that I saw in the cinema was they did a, a, a re-release of La Haine. Yes, so I thought to go I, along with it. Yeah, I watched those two back to back and, you know, shoot me down. I actually preferred Les Mis. I actually thought it was a better film. I think it, I I think it, it takes a, what the Haine left as a legacy and kind of ups the ante uh, and it makes you think, yeah. oh, 
what happened to the what happened to Paris? I thought Paris. I thought French films were all sort of you know the people smoking and wearing little little tops and being cute. But no, <laughs> oh no, no those well, two. You could argue in internet speak that Lahaine walked so Les Mis could run. You right? absolutely very nice <laughs> right but but the, the, there's something about the the full it's just so expansive les mis you know in just in terms of like just the whole what it says about the broader society i suppose lahaine felt like it was about a specific almost like a specific block whereas i felt like les mis worked more as a parable more as a as a, as zooming out oh man it was just one of those movies you know when you get out and you you're firing through your whatsapp groups recommending it to like every single one you're like yeah. i just saw this film i just saw this film you gotta see this film i just saw this film you gotta see this film um i felt so energized oh i'm I mean, so domestic. glad i'm so glad yeah. that you enjoyed because i think it's on netflix now and um yeah. and, and and as i yeah. say it's been still nominated for bafta best foreign film which i'm delighted because it's been a, out a while you know and it's great to see it uh, yeah still affecting and i you know friends do say i've just caught that and i'm like i've been telling you for a year and a half to watch this it's got a lion in it yeah, for man. god's sake and a drone you should yeah. see it yeah. Um, great, yeah. great, great choice. What about um, yeah. if 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 you had a film that changed your life, Henry? What was it? Is there one that either I'm, you were in or that you watched or both? Well, it's interesting. If I'm if I'm in, it's a very different answer. The film that I became obsessed with and used to watch. I mean, I don't know if this is thing things that kids uh, still do and have always done, which is like to watch a film like fifty times in a row, like like to become to to get to the end of the VHS tape rewind it and watch it again yeah were you and one of those a, I, I was never really yeah. one of those but yeah there's a 1958 version of tom thumb with peter sellers and the guy from uh, west side story Russ tamblin Russ tamblin thank you plays tom thumb and terry thomas and you know it's you know, that kind of dates the era of it's it's weird because i i talk about this film a lot to people and it's very rare to find someone who goes oh yeah i know it really well <laughs> it's it was at the at the very cusp of the i guess you'd call it stop animation yes. they had a name for it it was called like toon vision or something and so they were moving uh, basically tom thumb becomes you know a real boy a bit like pinocchio and uh the toys like toy story essentially they move in his nursery and teach him about the world and then it all goes pear-shaped and everyone lives happily ever after man i i could i could paint every single cell of that film wow i'm i'm, I'm it's a beautiful I know looking every single film. Second it's a of great it. choice and it's got that sort of technicolor magic to it and yeah. he's the dancing because yeah. he, he's great in riff as yeah. riff in west side story as a dancer yeah but his real yeah. dancing is is in tom thumb there's an extraordinary yeah. moves in there. yeah i absolutely love it and and for me in, in it, i can't separate it it's like i watched it so many times that like i can't even remember where my memories of childhood begin and that film ends well have it's you tried like, this on your kids then i did i did and they were watched it they watched it and was slightly you know they absorbed it i think we'd need to watch it another 40 times 49 times in a row yes. to have the same effect but the weird side effect of this of course is that i can't enjoy west side story because he's, because he's grown up in it or something yeah just what is tom thumb doing why is he hanging out with these guys in new york it makes no sense to me I tried re recently in lockdown, we watched with my wife, we watched Cold War, which kind of blew my mind. And mm, I just thought was beautiful. astonishing. I watched, I watched Roma for the second time. And again, it's, these are just profoundly heart-stopping works of I absolute genius. We went to follow it up with West Side Story, which is one of my wife's favorite films. And I said, I'm just, I'm sorry. I just can't, I can't, I can't, I can't put up with Tom Thumb doing this. Really? Because he's <laughs> clicking. He's not thumbs, it's fingers and thumbs. <laughs> It's you know I I it's one of those things uh, I I was so in love with 
the world of him as Tom Thumb. I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to let him be. I uh, love your uh, little gang. family film club, by the way. The Cold War, Parakowski, yeah. then uh, the Quaron's yeah. Roma, beautiful, and then the West Side Story. These are these are master. You are looking at masterpieces, even even if one's slightly disappointed because of your Tom Thumb. So yeah, great, <laughs> great choices. I mean, they really are really really great recommendations. Well, if I gave you the power of time travel, could you and you could go to any film set that you wanted to go to? Mm. and land in it and sort of be there and hang out and you know listen, watch the director or hang out with the actors which, which one would you go to i would love to go to powell and pressburger's matter of life and death oh and i'm i'm not just saying that well a i love the film uh and and i'm not just saying that because the sets are so amazing you know obviously I, i'm cheating in a way because what i'm getting is two two films right i'm getting heaven and i'm getting earth okay but um, I'm a huge David Niven fan. Yeah. Uh, uh, kind of obsessive. Yeah. And, just, uh, you, you, a little moustache would suit you beautifully. <laughs> my, my, my grandparents, who were also in the film industry, my, my great-grandfather was a film hairdresser, um, you was know, in, in the studios. Yeah. And my, uh, my grandfather was, uh, I mean, he was everything. He was an actor. He was in the Dan Busters um 49th parallel he's the only man to have shot Laurence olivier on screen what's his name uh basil appleby Marvelous. Um, and uh yeah you can check him out on imdb if you're a kind of war movie buff you might actually recognize is, him is, is it basil basil appleby <laughs> basil appleby yeah exactly <laughs> anyway the point is they were kind of friends with the nivens anyway so i i had a bit of family i had a bit of family histoire but like anyway i'm just obsessed with that film and i would love to um be chummy and and we could talk about. Um, would you? you know, would you go on the David. go up the escalator? Go up the heavenly. I definitely stair. got the escalator. I've got to go up so the escalator. Run up that. It would look just. I would just be. That would be the best set. I've always liked escalators anyway. Since Brent Cross Shopping Centre, yeah. I've always thought they were amazing. Yeah. But to see it go up there, and I don't know if you've seen Disney's recent Soul, the Pixar movie Soul, yeah. which is on Disney Plus. Yeah. I mean, there's. I did. You know, they, I did. They, they completely use that. You know, as the as the central yeah. image. It's extraordinary stuff. Yeah. Do you have a? Yeah. Did you have a film poster on your wall as a, as a as a kid, or do you still have some? Would you believe it? Well, listen, first thing to say is I have an original uh, lobby poster of Tom Thumb framed in my house. Oh, you I really also... went the whole Tom Thumb? Oh, you? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also have an original lobby poster of Cinema Paradiso, which is just a kind of totem because of my love of cinema in a way. I love that film, but it's, you know, it just, when you open the door and you see a big, and it's the it's an original Italian one as well. When if you see the poster of a cinema paradiso, I feel like that's like having a crucifix on the wall and shows you're a man of faith or whatever. I love that film. I know people say, oh, it's excessively sentimental, Tornatore and all that, but I think the music's fantastic. Obviously, Morricone, beautiful theme. And that, that montage of love sequences is just, you know, it's, it's astonishing. Romantic. The only thing I wish is that they had better sound technology back in the day because some of the, some of the dubbing and the, like the, just the sync almost is like I've often felt like it's almost it just needs a remaster. Oh, I, I think it was remastered last year. I think it's out in oh, 4K okay. now. So you need okay. you need uh, you need the new Blu-ray or DVD or I will or gladly DVD. accept it. But the true answer to your question is when I was a teenager, I actually had the poster to Shaft. 
on my on my wall because I was obsessed with black exploitation films, and uh, I still remember. Yeah, it was above, yeah, above the mantelpiece. The mob wanted Harlem back, and they got shafted up to here. <laughs> that <laughs> was the tagline. tagline. Good. With, it's a good uh, poster. I remember the writing on that poster. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, and he's like kicking. I think he's like he might be mid kick, like he's <laughs> yeah. just kicked down a door, and and he's you know he's 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 the know, private dick that gets names. all the chicks. So yeah, exactly. Who is the man <laughs> who would risk his life for another man? Oh, I'll tell you who, John Shaft. <laughs> That's, That's who, who it is. <laughs> great, great post. You bet your damn. Ooh, watch your mouth. But I'm talking about Shaft. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe there's not a little wah wah guitar band behind <laughs> you. You need the whole thing. Isaac Hayes there with you. Brilliant talking to you about films and watching you in one of the great roles of Sherlock Holmes. Basil Rathbone, who played Sherlock Holmes on the telly, he was a great screen hero and he was a great screen villain in the Robin Hood uh, as the Sheriff of Nottingham in the Robin Hood from 1938. So he's both hero and villain in some way, Basil Rathbone. Yeah. Yeah, and for speaking of Errol Flynn, he's one of those people that uh, I I love his work and I I love him as a performer, but I made the mistake of reading his his book, uh, My Wicked Wicked Way, and in the first kind of 10 pages he's like seduced a kind of 14 year old quote unquote native as he calls her and I suddenly thought you know what I don't think I'm gonna like this guy no I think stick with David Um, Niven uh, a far more elegant storyteller and probably less skeletons in the cupboard (laughs) I've read the moon's a balloon a few times and uh, I feel like that's enhanced the experience whereas uh, yeah I wouldn't recommend uh, uh, Errol Flynn's book for uh for those of uh you know gentle uh, disposition absolutely but there's something for, for swashbuckling tights and cocktails by four o'clock so there's, there's some elegance to the man still <laughs> yeah 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 Henry, perhaps, perhaps. brilliant to talk to you really nice to see you uh, in the meantime thank you very much for joining me on seeing any good films lately as well cheers cheers thanks so much jason Thanks to my guests this week, to Keith Fulton and Lou Pepe, and to Henry Lloyd Hughes. If you want to hear a bit more of Henry, why not catch up with my Jason Solomon show on Totally Wired Radio, where I play music, including Jason's jazz trio. I talk culture and sport, and I meet top guests like Henry Lloyd Hughes. You can find all the shows on Totally Wired Radio's website and on Mixcloud if you just enter Jason Solomon's. They all come up. Do let us know if you've seen any good films lately. Just email sagful at jasonsolomons.com and let us know how you're enjoying the podcast so far and who your favourites are for the awards perhaps this season. Of course, we'd love it if you would rate and subscribe the show so you never miss a show, but also it helps others find where we are and helps them join in the conversation, and you'll never miss out on a recommendation or a great guest. Thanks to Strike for their support on this episode, for all the spirit, none of the alcohol, and great taste in movies. Jason's Three to See this week is dedicated to the great... George Siegel, who died this week. He was one of my favourite 70s actors growing up. Well, 
The Hot Rock was always a favourite with Robert Redford, a great crime caper. Uh, California Split alongside that other great 70s face, Elliot Gould. There's George Siegel's Screwball stuff, which he was brilliant at. Uh, great with leading ladies, with the delightful Goldie Horn in The Duchess and the Dirtwater Fox, or with Jane Fonda in Fun with Dick and Jane, which was remade with Jim Carrey and Elizabeth Banks, I think. Uh, there was Barbara Streisand in The Owl and The Pussycat, directed by Herbert Ross. He allowed his leading ladies to shine so if you can, what I would seek out is the transatlantic romantic comedy opposite Glenda Jackson, A Touch of Class, for which she won an Oscar in 1973 and which has a sort of time capsule quality about it. They go to Malaga and Marbella and play golf and stuff like that. Uh, but there's this kind of great sort of 70s jet set fashion quality and uh, a sexual attitudes time capsule to it. It's how they made films back then. Look, Cary Grant was supposed to come out of retirement to be in a touch of class. It was produced by Fabergé, makers of Brute. You know, the aftershave. That's how 70s it was. Roger Moore, chose playing James Bond in his first Bond film, Live and Let Die, over this part. And then George Siegel came in to save the day opposite Glenda Jackson in A Touch of Class. Find it if you can. Here's a famous bedroom scene clip. Would you do me a very big favour? I thought that's what I was doing. Would you mind getting on the other side? What's wrong with this side? Nothing. It's just it's more natural for me being on that side. Well, I don't want to make an international incident out of this, but it's more natural for me this side. We always started this way. We? Me and my Italian. You see, he had this tennis elbow and a bad shoulder, and... Well, anyway, I just got used to this side. It doesn't work for me. Why not? I'm deaf in my left ear. What's that got to do with it? I won't be able to hear you. I'm not going to say very much. You're going to breathe, aren't you, sometimes? That sounds pretty good. Who knows? A word of encouragement may slip out at the right moment. It could do wonders. Shall I walk round? What? Shall I walk around? Oh, well, why don't you just slip over and I'll slide under? Oh, no, I think it's better if I slip under and you slide over. I'll tell you what we'd do. Why don't we just kind of roll towards Look, each other? It's getting awfully late. Why don't you just get on top and hope for the best? There you go. Screwball 70s style find it if you can it's not easy you might have to buy the dvd or order it on amazon so i'm going for three to see that are readily available uh, as a george siegel tribute weekend go for the hot rock on chile california split directed by robert altman on amazon and yeah why not the duchess and the dirtwater fox that's also available on chile enjoy yourselves meanwhile there's a documentary called simply tina on sky docs from sunday march the 29th and i'll have a chat with the film's directors on the show next week it's assessing the life and career of tina turner so let's go out with a tina turner movie belter then it's from mad max 3 beyond the thunderdome of course see you soon (laughs) 